intro into our next series on the book of Acts. All right, because we still seeing so much going on and you hear so much depending on who you're listening to. Um, and I'm not up here saying that I know everything. I, I, I know what I know and I don't know what I don't know. You see what I'm saying? And, and there's a whole lot of people that may talk like they know, but I can show you from scripture, they only know what they know and they don't know what they don't know. And we can have opinions and thoughts and all of those, which is fine. You just need to know when somebody's giving you a thought and an opinion. Are you listening to me? So, um, you see what's going on, and we're going to take a minute here, a few minutes, uh, and, and it'll make more sense and pray. But the, the conflict that's going on in the Ukraine, everybody knows about it, right? Okay, everybody knows what's happening. And so, um, in Ezekiel 38 and 39... The Bible, and I'm not going to go back and reread all of that, but the Bible talks about a, a war that would happen in the last days, and, and there are different views on that, okay? There's some people that believe that's already happened. There's some that say it hasn't happened. There, there's different views. I believe with all my heart that it has not happened because of the way the Scripture reads and the context of that, but I'm not trying to get into that. I, I mentioned the word eschatology, and I had some people, you know, say, well, I had to look that up. Eschatology is just the study of the end. That's the simplistic version of it. So we use that word when we talk about end times. But that's what I'm saying when I use the word eschatology. So people have different thoughts and opinions and interpretations of the word concerning eschatology. I know that seems like it's divisional and it's not. Just stay with me all the way to the end and it'll all come together. Okay? But basically, in Ezekiel 38 and 39... The Bible talks about the, uh, what has been referred to as the Gog-Magog War, right? And it's a war, and that war would be uh, Gog and all of these different countries that would be unified and come together against Israel. So, people question and say, well, is this the Gog-Magog War? No, I don't believe it. They're not attacking Israel. They're not, they're attacking Ukraine. Right? And so, when you go through and look at that, there's a prophetic word in Ezekiel, if you look at it as though it's had not happened, a prophetic word where God says to Ezekiel, he says, prophesy against Gog and say, I am against you. Right? If you read through, and he says, prophesy, and he says, I am against you. So, you need to know that it's not something that God's necessarily trying to do to, to, to destroy people's lives. He says, I am against you. But it goes on and he said that I will put a hook in your jaw. Because God has a, a, an intended outcome in all of this. And that's one of the things that you and I have to understand is that throughout the ages, God, the Bible says, knows the end from the beginning. And God has an intended outcome. And what God has intended to be the outcome is going to be the outcome. The influence that we have to a certain degree is the time frame. And if you want scripture for that, go read about the children of Israel that they came back with a bad report and had to spend 40 extra years in the desert. They didn't have to do that. They chose to do that. Okay? So we have an impact by our choices because we have free will. 
If we didn't have free will, then there's no point preaching the gospel, and God could just snap his fingers and tell everybody you're saved, and we could all go to heaven, and we could continue on and party like it's, you know, not 1999 anymore, but you you know what I'm saying? And, And so, I want you to understand, I'm not trying to get into a sovereignty of God. God is sovereign, but through his word, he has also implemented things that he will not violate. Okay, so when we talk about these things, there's more to it. So when you look at what's going on and you look at what's happening around in the wars that are taking place, do I believe it's the Gog Magog war? No, I don't. But do I believe that it is a setup and a precursor to man and and what could happen in the future? Yes, I do, because it lines up with Scripture. Do you see what I'm saying? So some say that Gog is a man, like not his name Gog, but it represents a, a figure, a man that is leading this. And Magog represents the country, right? That's a part of this. And so throughout the word of God, you can look and it talks about geographically all of the countries around Israel. And the reason it's set up like that is because when it was written, Israel is the center of the earth. Everything revolved around God's people. And and I'll just tell you this, it still does. (laughs) All the stuff you hear about Israel, don't believe everything you hear. And you better be careful about your attitude towards Israel. Because they're still God's people. And, And you say, well, they do this and they do that. Yeah, but so do you. So get off your horse You know what I'm saying? And humble yourself and realize that if it wasn't for the mercy of God, none of us. I'm not trying to be ugly, but I'm just being, I'm just trying to be strong about this because it's important. Pray. We pray for Israel and we need to pray. We need to stand and believe God with them. We're not believing God for them to do ungodly things. We're believing God with them for them to know Jesus. You know that all Jews don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, right? But as I told you, we sow into a ministry that goes and ministers to them and preaches the gospel to them. And they minister to what they call Messianic Jews, which are Jews that believe in the Messiah. Okay? So there's a lot there and a lot going on. And again, I'm not trying to give you everything, but what I want you to understand that what's going on definitely is a precursor or it is something that could be the beginning of. Because I'll tell you right now, Listen, Putin could die tomorrow, right? So I'm not trying to name names as far as put that on people, but we know that there would be an army, the Bible says, that would be formed from the far north. Well, if you go straight up from Israel, it's, it's Russia. And there's some other nations in there, but Russia is one of the big ones. So we know in the last days that these things would begin to take place because we read that last week. Um, but you look at some of the, the, the countries like Magog, um, which is one of the, the obviously the main players. Um, scholars say that those are the, um, the uh, I say the stand countries. Kazakhstan and Turkmenistan and all the stand countries right? That could be part of that. And then you've got uh, Rosh, which would be considered modern day Russia. And there's, listen, all of these aren't absolutes, okay? Uh, Meshach and Tubal could be modern day Turkey. Persia is Iran. Uh, When you go to Iran, Iranians are Persians. 
That's what they are. That's, that's their history. Ethiopia, Sudan and Ethiopia, Libya is modern day Libya. Gomer could possibly be Germany. There's other thoughts there. Togarma, possibly Turkey again. So you have modern day countries, but when this was written, there were other nations that it was giving the framework because they didn't know what was coming. They didn't know what those countries would be. Do you understand that? So you have to do a little research and, and look at that and see. And then again, everything's not perfectly settled. Means there's things you'll find that scholars many agree on. You'll find others that one says this and one says that. Right? Right or wrong, that's what they believe. So I want you to understand. And, and so when we look at this, right? You look at it and say, well, from the church standpoint, from our standpoint is, well, does this mean Jesus is coming back soon? Yes. That's never changed. In other words, even in the scripture, it says that he's coming back soon. In other words, written back 2,000 years, you know, more, obviously, for some of the books written in the Bible, you know, written way back, it's in there that he's coming soon. He's always been God's eyes, it's soon. Your life and my life is a vapor. So in God's eyes, these things aren't just long ways off. God has always talked about, and Jesus has talked about his return. And so when we look at that, we have to have some understanding, right? When we talk about Jesus coming back, Jesus was very clear. We're going to read it here in a few minutes. Jesus said, the timing is up to the Father. That, that's what Jesus said. Jesus himself said, the timing of my return is up to the Father, so, if it's up to the Father, and Jesus doesn't know yet, there ain't a person on the face of this earth that knows. So, anybody who gives you a date, they, they, they don't have a direct line to the Father that Jesus doesn't have. I, and I'm going to show you, it doesn't mean we can't know the seasons and different things, but the direct time, we don't know. Many scholars today say that we are at a place where all of the prophetic things need to be fulfilled for the return of Jesus, not his second coming, but for the rapture of the church. And I believe in the rapture of the church. I believe that we're not going to have to go through the tribulation. That's what I believe based on my study of the word. But there's some that believe we'll be here for three and a half years of the tribulation. There's others that believe we'll be here for the whole. So there's pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib. And I'm going to show you in a minute, it really doesn't matter. Okay? It really doesn't matter. But you have these interpretations and thoughts on this. So, the question that I should be asking is not just, is Jesus coming soon? The question that I must ask myself is, am I ready? Am I ready? Am I ready for his return? Am I ready for the rapture? And there's some that don't even believe in the rapture. And it's okay. Listen, you're going to have people that have different opinions, and it's okay. In other words, our commonality is Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, if you don't believe that, then no, it's not okay. I don't agree with you. But I can agree to disagree over other things. And the problem is, is we've got a gazillion camps in the body because of small things 
The enemy has put us and divided us over small things, right? Instead of us being able to walk in a greater degree of unity over the most important things. And that's Jesus. I don't care if you speak. I mean, we, we, we are a spirit-filled church. We speak in tongues. You just saw a prophetic word that comes. That's the gifts of the spirit, the gift of prophecy. You see that here. That's part of who we are, right? Amen. But I don't care if you speak in tongues and you can't walk in love. You listen to what I'm saying. Sometimes, again, we get on our horse. I'm thankful that I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit. I speak in tongues. I pray in tongues. I've spent probably two and a half hours this morning praying in the Spirit before I ever step foot on the platform. Because I believe and I know what it does. I know the power of it. Amen. But at the same thing, that same spirit that gives me the unction to be able to pray in tongues is the same spirit that has shed the love of God abroad in my heart. You, 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 get, you see what I'm saying? So you can't, you can't pick and choose. All right. Amen. So when we talk about the current events and the things going on, it is serious. And there's lives that are being impacted over what's going on in the Ukraine, right? And so you say, well, Pastor Rob, what do I do? Well, the first thing you ought to do is you ought to be praying. And we're going to pray. But the other question is, is what should I pray? (laughs) It doesn't do you any good to ask God for something that isn't scriptural. You know what I'm saying? So what should I pray? Well, the first thing you ought to pray for is pray for other believers. Pray for their safety. Pray for their protection. Pray for the grace of God to be strong in them. Pray for the Holy Ghost to lead them. You see what I'm saying? Pray for the Spirit of God, God to comfort them. Pray for them to have strength. They're ministering to people right now. I mean, some are leaving, and I understand that. I'm not saying anything wrong against that, but there's others that they're there, and they're ministering to people because that's what the church does. And you can say, well, I'm just going to pray that Putin doesn't want to uh, take, uh, uh, take over Ukraine. Well, the problem with that is, is that that could be scriptural. Because the Ukraine fits that area of countries. And I know you say, well, man, let me me help you with something. God backs up and he looks at the big picture. He looks at the big picture. And he doesn't see things the way we see them. And so you can say, well, you know, how could God do this or this? Well, when you become God, then you can, you can have that decision. I, I, I don't know. I know the goodness of God. I know the faithfulness of God. I know the love of God. And God hasn't changed. Amen. But I also know that back in the garden, man sinned. And because of man's sin... There is a lot of fallout in the world in which we live. And it's not God's fault. Are you listening to me? It's not his fault. I don't believe God's heart was that we would sin. (laughs) 
God's heart was that we would live for him, multiply, subdue the earth. And so ever since, God already had made an answer to sin so that we could have what he wanted for us to have. Do you see what I'm saying? And so again, I'm making statements and and listen, I hope I don't want anybody to get offended or anybody. Listen, I don't have time in this moment to go through and explain every single detail. We'd be here all day. Okay, what I'm trying to get you to see, and I'm not saying you shouldn't pray for Putin or you shouldn't pray that that would change. Listen, I don't want anybody else to lose their life. That's my heart. I believe that's your heart. Amen. And so I I, want to pray. We're going to pray. But for me to think that the day in which we live, and I read the Bible concerning the days, the end time, the tribulation period, the end of days, when I read that, it's not going to be an easy time. But I know as a believer, doesn't matter how I die, whether it's an accident, whether it's sickness or disease that would try to come and steal and rob my life from me, whether it's um, uh, you know, somebody murdered me. I, I, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but my point is it's not about the how, it's the fact that I'm ready. If I die today, I'm going to be with Jesus. Do you understand my perspective? I don't want to die today. Please don't take that. I'm not looking for that. And I'm not confessing sickness over my or any of that. What I'm saying is, is that this life is temporary. James calls it a vapor. The Bible says that flesh is like grass, that one moment it's green and growing, and the next minute it's dead and thrown into the oven. Our flesh is temporary, but me, my spirit, the real me, right? I'm eternal. And I care where I spend eternity more than I care about what happens to my flesh on this earth. One of the greatest challenges that the body of Christ has in the days in which we live in America is we are, we are hung up on the pursuit of comfort. I want to be comfortable. I want this thing to be easy. That, that, that's the American dream. I want a comfortable house. I want a comfortable car. I want, you know, I want this perfect life. And I, I'm just here to tell you that, that that's not God's dream. He doesn't care if you have a house and it's comfortable. He doesn't care about that. His dream is that you and I know him, walk with him, serve him, and make him known. That's his dream for you. And he knows that in the course of those actions, there's going to be some discomfort in your life. There's going to be some challenges in your life. There's going to be some, why? Because you have an adversary. Not because God is doing it, because you have an adversary. And you say, Pastor Rob, he's defeated. He is defeated, but he's the God of this world. Until he's chained up, locked up, and thrown into the lake of fire. But he doesn't get to control me. (laughs) Because I belong to Jesus. And you belong to Jesus. Amen.
So in that context, I want you to understand that you need to be praying. You need to be praying first and foremost for the believers that they're in Ukraine. They are your brothers and sisters in Christ. They're your brothers and sisters. You may not ever met a long lost brother or sister you never met, right? But they're yours. And we're responsible to pray. And then we need to pray for those that don't know Jesus. Because right now, you don't know. And then we can pray for things to change. And we can believe God for that. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for that. I'm just saying that as you and I live and move forward, we've got to be careful and make sure that we know what the Word says so that I'm in alignment with God and what He's saying and what His heart is and His desire is in that. Amen. So let's take just a minute and let's pray. Father, we lift up to you right now the people in the Ukraine. Father, we lift up their lives. We pray, Father, for the believers. And Lord, we pray for divine protection over their lives. We pray, Father, for the comfort and the strength of the Holy Spirit in their lives right now. Father, we rebuke fear and speak peace into their lives. We pray for wisdom. We pray for provision. Father, we thank you for supernaturally meeting the needs of food and the necessity and shelter. Father, the things that they have that they need. That, Father, you hide them and cover them and keep them. And, Father, those that are, that are ministering to the needs of others, that you are strengthening them and giving them wisdom on how to reach out and touch and minister life to those around them. And we pray for strength, Father, in the pastors and the leaders, Father, that are there and leading their people. Give them grace. Give them wisdom, Father, to know what they ought to do and how to do it. And just thank you, Father, that you would be a wall of fire around them. And your word says the glory in their midst. And Father, we pray for those that don't know Jesus right now. We pray for them that they would know Jesus. That you send labors, you send those that are there to speak life. Father, you visit them, you minister to them. Whatever it takes that, Father, they would hear and know and, and, and have the opportunity of knowing the good news of Jesus Christ. That, Father, their hearts would be open and they would choose life and say yes. And, Father, we pray for the government officials, those in authority, and we pray that you give them wisdom that you strengthen them, that you help them to lead their people. And you give them the wisdom to do that. Father, you show them what to do and how to do it and when to do it. Father, to, for the preservation of life. And Father, we pray over Putin. We pray over uh, uh, those that are involved, uh, Father, in this. And Father, we pray that, Father, you would arrest his life and his heart. And Father, you would turn it the direction that you desire. Father, we, we don't want loss of life. We don't want anyone hurt. We don't want, Father, the tragedy that's befalling the nation of, in, uh, of Ukraine. And we ask you, Father, to intervene. Father, we ask you to move, Father, in, in the midst of this situation. And we thank you, Father, that you know your plans and your purposes and what you have. But Father, we know that you're a God who gives life. And Father, we pray for life to be imparted into this situation and it be turned so that life would be brought. And we thank you for that right now 
in the mighty name of Jesus. We agree with you, Father. In Jesus, help us to know how to pray. We thank you that we have the Holy Ghost, the helper, to pray as we ought to pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If you agree, say amen. Hallelujah. And I will encourage you with that. We have prayer, first Monday prayer tomorrow night, and I encourage you to come. We're going to pray over Ukraine. We're going to pray over the nations around there. And so I encourage you to come and be a part of that. Amen. So moving on, setting that up and moving that, moving on to Matthew chapter 24. I read it last week. I'm not reading it all, but I want to just bring your attention to what Jesus said. Um, in, in uh, Matthew 24, verse 6, he talked about you'll hear of wars, rumors of wars. He says, see that you're not troubled. And I mentioned that last week, but I want to mention again. We don't have to live a fearful or troubled life. Doesn't mean we won't have challenges, but we don't have to live fearful and worried about the troubles of life. He said, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. He said, there be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. How many of you know that's all, that we're, we're living in that, right? We're living in it. And so we're seeing these things begin to come to pass, all right? So just stay with me. But if you keep reading... Jesus is giving this whole understanding of what to look for for the end times. But then he goes on in the same chapter, just following this, and he begins to talk about the parable of the fig tree. And he, he talks about and gives an understanding of being able to understand the season because you see these things take the place. Just like with a fig tree, when you begin to see certain things take place, you know that the fruit of it is coming. And so he's explaining to them and giving them a parable so that they understand that, yes, they can understand the season. And then he goes on and he talks about the days of Noah. And he says the end times are going to be like the days of Noah. He said, before the coming of the Son of Man, he said, people are going to be, they're going to be uh, marrying and giving in marriage. They're going to be ink, uh, inking, eating and drinking. In other words, he said, they're going to be living life. So what does that mean? That's an encouragement to you and I that before Jesus comes back, everything necessarily isn't going to pot. And so we're going to see these things happening, but it doesn't mean the whole world's going to be at war. We're going to see these things that are happening all around us. He said, but people still are going to, people, all they talk about is things getting back to normal. And there is no more normal. Amen. And then he goes on and he talks about the faithful and the evil servant. I'm, I'm going through this because I want you to understand Jesus' mentality. The mentality is, listen, you can know the season, the general time frame, right, that's going on. Uh, it's going to be the parable of fig tree, being able to recognize it. And it's going to be like the days of Noah, right, that people are still living life. And then he goes on and he talks about the faithful and the evil servant. And it's the, the servant, the faithful servant is the one that when Jesus comes, he finds him doing what he was called to do. And the evil servant is the one when the master comes, Jesus comes, he finds him saying, oh, the master is delaying, so I'm going to do what I want. You see the contrast. Now, all this is in the same context of understanding the times uh, uh, of the end. And then he talks about the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. And it's those that were ready. Half of them are ready. Half of them weren't. And then he goes to the parable of the talents. 
And he talks about being responsible to give an account for what God has put on the inside of you. And so all of these are following, and you're going to find them in every, every situation where the end is mentioned in this context of Jesus' teaching. These all go together. And so we need to understand, it's not you and I knowing the exact day that he's coming back. It's again, am I ready and am I busy doing what he's called me to do? Am I awake to what's going on and alive and living and doing what he's called me to do? That's the most important thing here. He loves me. I'm not worried about what's coming. He loves me. He's going to take care of me. The worst thing in my life is that I die before my time, if you will, before my 80 or 90 years, and I go be with Jesus. And I'm not making light of life. Life is precious. Life is important. But again, we've got to keep things in perspective. We're living this life not for this life. We're living in this life to be with Jesus. And you've got to pay attention to how you see it. Now listen, in Luke 21, verses 34 through 36, I know I'm taking time today. Is everybody okay? Luke 21, verses 34 through 36, Jesus talks about in, in, in those days, he said, take heed to yourselves. See, he's exhorting them, take heed to yourselves. And he's telling them, listen, be careful what you're involved with and what you're doing. Says, Don't, he said, there's going to be people that are living their life, people that are carousing, people that are living and getting drunk and, and just kind of being intoxicated uh, in their life. In other words, oblivious to the signs and the times, and they're just living this careless life even all the way down to carousing. And then he goes on. Now listen, what he adds to that is he says, those that are weighed down with the cares of this life. Those that are weighed down with the cares of this life. It doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't care about your life. Right? But we don't need to be weighed down, overwhelmed, overcome by the cares of this life. We don't need to be weighed down by that. And, and, and I'm going to speak to current events with that here in, in just a second. You say, well, so how do I respond then? Now listen to me. One of the things that everybody knows that we could say reality today is I was driving. I actually called Julie. I was driving to church, uh, going by Starbucks, <laughs> and uh, was passing Sam's. Because if you've noticed, their gas has been cheaper than the others. Well, today, their gas price was more expensive. It was 402 or 3 or 4. Oh, what am I going to do? Well, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to believe God just like I have the whole time. <laughs> In other words, do you think that God is shaking on his throne because gas is $4 a gallon? Listen, I'm not making fun of you. We need to be stewards, but stewardship is not cheap. What I mean by that is being stingy and cheap is not being a steward. That's just stingy and cheap. Being a steward is not being wasteful. Well, if I need gas to go to work, to work the job that God provided me, 
then I'm pretty sure he's okay with providing me some extra money to make sure that I can fill up my gas tank. You see what I'm saying? Perspective. We're not the first ones to pay $4 a gallon. That would be California. And then before them, that would be over overseas. We're at seven, eight. Now, I mean, I had missionaries to Israel that we were friends with, and, and they talked about it. You know, when back in 2008, when gas prices, and they're like, we're paying eight, nine dollars a gallon. I'm not making light. What I want you to do is make sure, do you have a position of faith and believing God and trusting God? Or are you looking at everything? Well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Look up to Jesus, knowing that our redemption draws near. And it's nearer than it's ever been. It says that uh, in the word of God. Amen. It says that in Romans 13, and I'll, I'll close with this. Right? I can see y'all are winding down on me. So Romans 13, verse 11, it says, And do this, listen, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fill its lust. He's saying, listen, it is still time. It's nearer today than it's ever been before for the return of Jesus Christ. I'm not sounding the alarm in the sense of being an alarmist. I'm not trying to, 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 to manipulate you to do something. I just want you to understand that even with what's going on, it's still all pointing to the end. It's still fulfilling the scriptures. It's still prophetically fulfilling what the word of God says. And even though those things are taking place, we still have a role. Jesus is still on the throne. The mission is still the same. The calling is still the same. Until I take my last breath, I'm still called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm still called to be a father. I'm still called to be a husband. I'm still called to serve my, my, my master, my king. That will not change. It doesn't matter if the world is falling around all around me. It doesn't matter what's going on. I still have a calling and a mission. And so do you. So do you. So be encouraged. Why? Because greater, listen to me, greater is the power of God towards the fulfillment of your mission than the power of this world that is being destroyed and passing away. Are you listening to me? In other words, God is more committed to what he's putting you to do and fulfill and to his will being done than he is concerned about what's coming on the earth. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to be troubled. It doesn't mean I'm ignorant. It doesn't mean I don't care. My heart breaks for people that are losing their lives. But the thing is, is it's not just in Ukraine. 
We can go to Africa and see the civil wars that are taking place and lives that are being lost. We can go to the inner cities of certain cities and see the lives that are being lost. Lives are being lost day in and day out. So it's not just about the location. It's about the time in which we live. The days are evil. And the Bible says that in those days that darkness would cover the earth, gross darkness would cover the people. But he said, my glory, it will arise and be seen upon you. We are the carriers of the glory of God. And we are still called to make a difference. And God didn't call you and I to tuck our tails and run. So how does this tie into the book of Acts? Just leave you with this scripture. We'll read it again later. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Verses 7 and 8. Jesus has returned. In other words, he's risen. He's hanging out. He calls his disciples to himself. And they ask him, Jesus, when are you going to set up the kingdom? See, they were looking for a natural. Their perspective was wrong. They're looking, for the, the, they're looking for the Messiah to come and set up a natural kingdom. Kick the Romans out of Jerusalem. Kick them out of Israel and set up and, and put a king on the throne. Now listen, not saying that won't happen later on, but listen to Jesus' response. He says, it's not for you to know the times, chronos, or the seasons, kairos, but, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Listen to me. It wasn't that none of that's going to happen. He just said, hey, guys, you don't need to be concerned about that's in the Father's hands. But what you need to be about and know is that I'm about to baptize you with power. And I'm about to send you with the message of the gospel uh, to, to your, you know, locally and regionally and to the ends of the earth. Listen to me. There's nothing wrong with learning and studying about the end times. We should. We don't want to be ignorant. But I want you to know this morning, and as we go through the book of Acts, you're going to see that the church, the birth of the church, the operation, the flow of the church is supernatural. And we've been empowered to do something. We're not empowered to attend something. We're empowered to do something. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I'm believing and I'm seeing and I'm expecting God to do greater and greater and greater through us. Amen.